You know what time it is. Time to hang hey, out with Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. Get the ladies cool. From Mr. Cooper. From Mr. Cooper. From Mr. Cooper. Hey, Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. With Mr. Cooper. Get the ladies cool. From Mr. Cooper. From Mr. Cooper. To the Welcome to the Bit Scoop with Coop. I'm your host, Coop. Big shout outs to everybody that's listening right now on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to. Also, don't forget, if you want to see the video recording of this show, make sure you go to the bitscoopwithcoop.com where you can catch episodes from season one all the way now. Also, you can catch me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Bitscoop with Coop. Also on Instagram, IGTV, baby. You can catch me there at Big Scoop with Coop and on YouTube at the Big Scoop with Coop. Hey, you saw the man right here, Dr. Ian Smith. Once again, like I told you, you've seen him on the Steve Harvey show. You've seen him co-host with Rachel Ray. You have seen him do Celebrity Fit Club. He's done so much. And if I keep naming, we're going to run out of time. Also, you've seen his book that's actually out also. We will talk about that later on also. Um, ladies and gentlemen, once again, Dr. Ian Smith, welcome to the show. Cool. Thanks for having me. Glad to be with you. Yes, sir. Doing great. How's your morning so far? It's good. You know, life is good. You know, trying to kind of impart the message to people as widely as possible about the truth about the coronavirus and all the things that are going on in the country. Extremely important time for us. Uh, this is serious stuff. And um, I think that now most of the country is starting to take it seriously. Yes. I wish it had happened earlier. But uh, it's not a time to panic and by any stretch of the imagination. It's just a time to be alarmed and two different things. Panic is when you're desperate. It's kind of irrational. Being alarmed means you're being careful, you're being cautious, you're really paying attention and taking the necessary steps to prevent the transmission. Very true. Very true. And we will definitely get into the coronavirus later on this evening because I love to hear more of your opinion on that, on what people can do, um, you know, during this pandemic time. So we will definitely talk about that. But. Dr. Smith, like I said, everybody knows you. They've seen you doing so much um, in the television industry, also with the books. But let's start from the beginning. When did you first realize that you wanted to get into the medical field? Uh, when I was nine years old, um, I've always been curious as a kid. I always loved biology and science. Uh, but when I was nine, I'll never forget reading uh, an Ebony Magazine article about the dearth or the uh, lack of a significant number of Black neurosurgeons in the country. And so I was lying across my grandparents' bed reading that article. Uh, in fact, Ben Carson was in that article, believe it or not. That's how old it was. He was one of the rising stars, uh, African-American physicians. But uh, yeah, so back, back then when I was a nine-year-old kid, eight-year-old kid, I knew that I wanted to be a physician. I wanted to be a neurosurgeon my whole life. I ended up not being a neurosurgeon for other reasons. But, you know, I've been very happy that I was able to to follow my lifelong dream of becoming a physician. And um, my practice now is different. I don't go to a hospital every day or go to an office. Instead, I talk on you know, media, uh, I write books, I go on TV shows, and I really try to spread the word of, of health advocacy and getting people to be empowered uh, by making good health decisions and having more control of their health destiny. Wow, wow. Now, you know, doing that at an early age, knowing at the age of nine that, you know, you want to go into that field, I believe that's a blessing right there. That's a calling. You know, people 
at an early age, some people, they ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? Some people these days, this current generation, they can't answer that question or they will say some sports. <laughs> and with you, you read a magazine at age of nine and you took off from there. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you went to Harvard University also. Am I correct? Yes, I went to Harvard undergrad, Harvard College. Um, then I went to Columbia in New York to get my master's. Then I went to Dartmouth Medical School up in New Hampshire. And then I did my last two years at the University of Chicago Pritzker School of Medicine. Wow, wow. Now, what type of hurdles did you go through when you actually entered the gates of Harvard? Oh, geez. <laughs> well, you know, it's been a while uh, since I've been there. And so Harvard's a different place now. But, you know, listen, uh, as an African-American male uh, going into a, a predominantly majority uh, institution um, with students who tend to be of means, uh, who were legacies. They had parents who had gone to the school or their parents had gone to college, uh, prestigious college. So, you know, I didn't have any of the earmarks of the classic Harvard student. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was strong. I came from a very solid working class, blue collar family um, who had great values, who believed in education, believed in hard work, believed in the moral compass. So luckily, I was very lucky that while we did not have a lot as far as material wealth. We had a lot of wealth as far as social wealth, uh, religious wealth, spiritual wealth, uh, work ethic, all the other kinds of things that can make you really, really strong. I was lucky enough to have that. And that prepared me to go into a place like Harvard that was very different, uh, very challenging uh, on many levels. But, you know, I was completely fine. I was never felt intimidated, never felt overwhelmed. I never felt out of place because my upbringing taught me that I had value, uh, that I uh, was equal to others, and that I could achieve. And so, you know, I went there and had a great time, had a great four years, enjoyed every minute of it. Hopefully one day my kids will go there. Wow. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, just watching Worldwide, you heard from Dr. Smith right here. If you put your mind to it, you can basically accomplish anything. Don't take that as a cliche. I mean, look at Dr. Smith. He actually went through no intimidation at all. Nail Harvard. And you guys out there right now that's watching, I don't care what age bracket you're in right now, it's not too late for you to go back to school to learn. It's never too late to learn whatever you need to learn in life. Um, and people that's watching this younger right now, guys, don't count yourself out from these schools like Harvard and everything. Just because you feel like, hey, it's predominant a certain race over there, you can still make it in there. Just put your mind to it and watch what you can accomplish. Now, Dr. Smith, when did you realize that you wanted to go into the television industry? Well, you know, that came kind of late. Um, I really um, didn't want to go into the television industry per se, like I wanted to go into, into medicine. Uh, when I was a fourth year medical student, my last year at University of Chicago, uh, I've always loved the news. I'm a news junkie, still am. I was back then, even as a younger person. I just loved news. And I always wanted to wonder, I always wondered how was the news created? How was it put together? This is part of me being always a curious person. So I really wanted to see the newsroom. I wanted to see how reporters put those stories together, the videos you see. How do they edit them? How do they write those stories? Really, how does it operate? And so when I was a fourth year medical student at the University of Chicago, I actually met one of the anchors who I watched every morning when I went to medical school class. Before I went to school, I saw this guy in the morning news, early morning news, and I met him at a, at a dinner and a fundraiser. And I just walked up to him and said, I want to be your intern. <laughs> and uh, 
I don't know what prompted me, but, you know, I was kind of I've never been shy in, in that sense. I've always believed that you should go for it. So I just said I want to be your intern. And the idea was not that I wanted to become a reporter or go on TV. I just wanted to be able to walk into a newsroom and see how he did his job. That led uh, to other things and me eventually getting a gig uh, at NBC in New York, uh, thanks to my mentor who I actually interned for. He actually helped me later on. And once again, I wasn't going on TV because I wanted to become a star. I wanted to go on TV because I felt like I could kind of share some medical knowledge and it wasn't a lot of medical knowledge from medical or health professionals on TV at the time. I thought maybe I could help out a little bit. And so I did that and you know, my career just took off. I went from you know, NBC local in New York, which is a big deal, to the network. And then I started writing for the New York Daily News at the same time. Then I started writing for Time Magazines. I started, I've always believed that you are the one who should set your own restrictions on what you can do. And even though sometimes I would say I want to do something, people would look at me like I'm crazy or say, are you serious? Like, you can't do that. And of course you can. I believe that people, we have one life. This is it. And my uncle always says, this is no dress rehearsal. This is it. And so given that that is the case, I think that people should pursue their dreams. And I think that um, you should be passionate about things and have fun. And really, really, every day I get up, I'm really excited. There's never a day I get up where I'm like, oh, geez, another day. Because I love life. I love the chance of starting over. Every day is a clean canvas. Every day is a new chance to do something. And so I really feel like my career and my career choices have all been about my passion and what I wanted to do, not what I had to do. And it's just been very rewarding. Wow. I hope everybody's taking notes out here just watching this right now because if Dr. Ian Smith said he wakes up every day loving life, why are we grumpy for? Why are we getting up? I mean, you control your destiny. If there's something you want to do, do your research on it, go out there, reach for it. I mean, it's the worst that's going to happen is going to say no, and then you just go try again. I mean, there's no need to to just ponder off of that one note. And, and Dr. Smith, I got to curveball you real quick. You know, a lot of people feel like in the, not even in the television and movie industry, just a regular nine to five everyday life, people feel like when they hear a note, that's like a permanent thing. Like it's, it's done. What, what is your outtake on no's when it comes from the television industry to the corporate industry? Yeah, my, my view of no for most of my life has been no is just a longer way to get to yes. It's just taking you a different route to get to a yes. Um, and I think you have to have that attitude. I mean, obviously some no's are no's. You can't, you can't make someone hire you, for example, but you can try to put yourself in a better position that they will hire you or someone else in the same type of industry or same type of field will hire you. But I really think that people, you shouldn't stop at a no. I'll never forget Charles Barkley um, said one time, he has a lot of great quotes. And one time he said, you know, basically, I will go around you, I will go over you, I will go through you, but I'm getting to the hole. And I mean, that's just kind of like, I love that quote, because basically the saying is, I'm just going to be unstoppable. And I think you have to have that feeling, that feeling of fortitude inside of you that you, I'm going to do this. And it may be difficult, and people may throw challenges my way and put up obstacles, but I'm going to make it happen. And that's how I've led my life. Now, I've had failures like anybody else. But I look at failures as a great opportunity to learn more, a great opportunity to, to figure out how to do better, how to improve. I always say to my fans and followers, I am always a work in progress, despite what my success I've had so far. But I really look at failures and no's and rejections as ways for you to kind of recalibrate and figure out how to get better. I love getting better. 
I mean, I think that you can never be too good. I think you can never know too much. And so I'm constantly a student of the game. Wow. Now, we will go from no's and we will go to yeses now. Now, Dr. Ian Smith, you have done, like I said, you've done a lot. Now, how did you feel when you first found out that you was to become a co-host on The Rachel Ray Show? Well, you know, my career has been very blessed. I've been very fortunate. I mean, I worked very hard. I prepared myself very well. I mean, you got to prepare yourself and work hard first. But then you have to have the opportunity. A lot of people have worked hard. They're smart. They're good. But they just haven't had the opportunities. My grandfather always said, I'd rather be lucky than good. And what he was saying was that no matter how good you are, if you don't have a little bit of luck, then it's not going to happen. you got to have opportunity, windows to be able to get in. Right. I've been fortunate. You know, I... um. I've had opportunities. I've met people. I've networked with people. Networking is so underrated. It's so important. But I've networked with people, stayed in touch with people. And um, I think that what's helped me in my career is to the ability to take even the smallest openings and make them wide openings. And so my career has been blessed by that. Co-hosting with Rachel Ray's been awesome. awesome. Uh, having Tom Brokaw from NBC Nightly News uh, yeah. introduce me. And to have him say my name in his gravelly, well-known voice yep. uh, post 9-11 when I was doing coverage, that was great. I'm, get, I'm dating myself, but sitting down with Larry King when Larry King was at his prime uh, was wonderful. Uh, I just think that I've been very blessed in my career to be able to have great personal moments, moments that to me said, wow, like I actually did something. Showing up on the New York Times bestsellers list for the, for the first time, you know, those are moments that you know, I always say to people, it's great to work hard and be in the trenches. I'm a trench worker like everybody else. But sometimes you got to look up from the trenches and see the beauty of the landscape, because then that lets you know that the work that you're doing, this is what it is creating. And I've had those moments where I've been able to appreciate that, wow, this thing actually worked or someone really likes what I'm doing. They love my book. They're reading my book, The Losing Weight, or one of my novels, like the last one, The Ancient Nine, which is about Harvard secret societies, that people love it. So I really think that my career has very been very blessed. I've been very fortunate. And I just hope to pay it forward to other people. You know, I tell people, listen, it's time for me to get off stage. I've been doing this for a long time. Let someone else have the light. Let someone else, you know, be the authority, be the voice. Uh, and I'd like to support them. So I talk to people on Instagram all the time. Uh, given, I was talking to a guy yesterday from Philly. Uh, I don't know these people, but, you know, giving them advice on how they can improve their career. So, you know, hit me up on Instagram. My Instagram is at Dr. Ian Smith. Spell the doctor out. I-A-N Smith. Nice. Everybody, make sure you do follow him on Instagram. I'm a very knowledgeable guy. I've been following him for years myself, so make sure you do listen to him. Follow him. You never know what he's going to say next, especially if you need career advice, doctoral. I mean, hit him up. Hit him up. Now, I want to ask you one more question about the television industry because a lot of people want to know this also. You've, like I said, you've done so many shows. Um, how is the environment when the cameras are not rolling? from the news scene to Rachel Ray, to the Steve Harvey show. What, what is the environment like? I know that's a broad question, but can you give like a general emphasis on it? Well, I think the real show is when the show's off the air, to be honest with you. Like the fun of it, the real texture of it happens during the commercials uh, when the host um, and the talent and the guests are having real conversations, something happens with the audience. I mean, I really think someone needs to put together a show that allows you to show what's happening when the cameras are off, um, whether it's on Rachel, uh, whether it's on Steve, really, I mean, that's, you know, what happens in the green room before the show, what happens after show, when things mess up, how, you know, people go crazy, 
and how there's like a fire and people are putting out all these different fires, how their confrontations, how their disagreements, how the host is angry or, or cranky because they had a bad day, they're tired. So yeah. it really, a lot happens off air that um, that's fun. Um, and it, it's not always nice things, by the way, but I think that when you look at the composite of the activity that happens off air, it's a, it's a show in of itself, trust me. Hey, Steve Harvey, if you're watching, Rachel Ray, if you're watching, Celebrity Fit Club, all you guys, if you are watching, that's a great idea. You're looking at the new host right here. Bring me on. <laughs> Going to do some backstage stuff. <laughs> Let's definitely do that. Now, you did mention this. Um, I remember back in 2001, you did write a, bo- a book. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Take Control Diet, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Now, from there, all the way to 2020, and like you said, being on New York Times bestseller list, um, what inspired you to keep going after the first book up to now? Well, the first book was a huge commercial failure. <laughs> wow. The Take Control Diet was a book that I really thought was going to be wonderful. I thought it was wonderful. I said, my goodness. Uh, a publisher had come to me and said, you can write any book you want. What do you want to write? And I decided to write a weight loss book because as a columnist for Time Magazine, I spent so many weeks and hours writing back to my readers And no matter what I wrote about in the magazine, they always came back with weight loss questions. I'd write about Tylenol, weight loss. I'd write about, you know, the flu, they want about weight loss. And so finally I said, geez, I got to really investigate what it is about weight loss that has people in such a conundrum. And I wasn't trained in weight loss. Doctors back then weren't trained in food or nutritional sciences, but now they are more so. Uh, But anyway, so when the publisher came to me and said, write the book you want to write, I said, I want to write this book. So I wrote this book. I thought it was wonderful. I broke down what a calorie is, what is your metabolism, what should you eat, uh, all these different, what are the macronutrients? And I said, this is great information. And it was, it was a <laughs> disaster uh, commercially. It was, I think it was great from an information standpoint, but it was not what the people wanted. People didn't want necessarily to learn all the intricacies of a calorie and how do you define a calorie. People wanted to know, how do I lose weight? Tell me what to eat, when to eat it, how to eat it. Uh, and I was doing Celebrity Fit Club, actually, and that's when it first happened. Uh, I was in charge of the diets of the, of the celebrities, and I gave them the Take Control Diet, my book I was so proud of. I'll never forget, they came back to me and said, um, Jack A uh, came back to me and said, Dr. Ian, we love you, but you know what? This book is too much. Like, just tell us what to eat, when to eat it, and how to eat it. So they weren't following the Take Control Diet, so on the spot, every week I would make up a new week of what they should eat. And then I would fax it to the office, to the production office in LA, I was living in New York at the time, I would fax it to them and they would distribute it to the celebrities. After about two or three weeks, the celebrities were losing a lot of weight. And they're like, Dr. Ian, this is, now this is what we need, this is wonderful. And it wasn't a book that I, wasn't gonna, I was gonna write, it was just me adapting to, they didn't wanna go through the, the thick book of the Take Control Diet. And that, that program became a book, I called it the Fat Smash Diet. Uh, and it became a number one bestseller. It was on the bestsellers list for over, I think, like 25, almost 30 weeks. It was just a huge, huge, my first real hit. And uh, it taught me a lesson. It taught me that you should listen to your audience always. And that even though you think you know what they want or what they should want, that there's no better voice than their voice. Listen wow. to what they say. Take feedback. So my whole career since then, by the way, has really been about feedback, whether it's on social media whether it's meeting people, I ask people questions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? So when I start a new program, I have thousands of people on Facebook who I give the program to first. 
to let okay. them tell me, ah, we didn't like week two, we didn't like the food, the right, whatever it is that they don't like or that they do like, and then I incorporate that into my finished product. And I think that listening to people, has, I think, been one of my greatest blessings because that's helped me create better product. Man, everybody, make sure you go get the books, all of them. I mean, I'm telling you, if you're trying to lose weight and, I mean, if you're trying to get a, be a better, healthy life, do it. Dr. Ian is giving this knowledge out there. Okay, if you don't want to hear about what a calorie is, that's fine. Skip that book. Go on to the next. I'm telling you, if you're trying to lose it, and as you see, guys, I need to lose some myself. I think I need to get the book myself. So make sure you go get it. Now, Dr. Ian, how many more books do you feel that you have inside of you that you can release in the future? Wow. So I have a book coming out next month. Um, here it is right here. Um, it's called Mind Overweight. Um, and this is a book I've been wanting to write for a very long time. This book is about all about the mind, because okay. I have realized over all these years that the reason why most people fail programs or are not successful with weight loss is because their mind is not in the right, right space. So I told my publisher, this is the book I need to write. It doesn't matter what diet plan you have. It doesn't matter how good your trainer is. If your mind is not up to the task, you are not going to find success. So this book is short. It's easy to read. Uh, I told them that they had to make it cheaper. They shouldn't charge a lot of money for this book because it's not about the price point. It's about people having access to the information. So I'm encouraging people, no matter what diet you're going to be on, read this book first to talk about getting your mind right. It teaches you about motivation, how to keep your motivation, how to find your motivation. It teaches you about how do you curb your cravings? How do you build a winning environment? How do you boost your confidence? How do you fix? How do you find the right plan for you? Not every plan is right for everybody. There's no one plan fits all. So people sometimes will choose the wrong plan and not find success and then be upset at themselves or the plan. But the plan wasn't right for them. So this book teaches you how do you find that right plan? It teaches you how do you set the right goals? People say, oh, I want to lose 30 pounds in two months. But they gained 30 pounds in four years, yet they want to lose it all in two months. The body doesn't work that way. So right. this book, uh, yeah, this book is my next book. I'm also having a book in September. Um, I wish I had it on me. It's, I got an early copy. It's called The Unspoken. So for the next three years, you ask this question. I'm going to write two books a year or release two books a year. One is going to be a health book in April. The second is going to be a novel in the fall. So my first novel of this particular series, not my first novel, but this particular series is a private investigator based in Chicago, an African-American private investigator who used to be part of the CPD. And now he solves cases around the city. It's called The Unspoken in September. So I, you know, I have more books in me. I love writing, by the way. I'm using this time during coronavirus hibernation time to actually write, write, write. So I'm encouraging people out there who are at home. Listen, don't complain about it. Be productive. Do something you've been saying you want to do. Work on yourself. I mean, this is a great time. How many times people said, oh, I need some time to myself. I'm too busy. Guess what, guys? <laughs> you got it now. Got it now. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, you know what? I'm glad you brought up the coronavirus. But before we even do that, hold the book back up one more time. Now, yeah, this is Ian, tell everybody where they can purchase that book. At. Yes, it's called Mind Overweight. As you can see, it's a very small book. Look how small it is. Uh, wow. But you can get it. Yeah, you can pre-order it now on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. And you'll be able to get it in stores when it comes out April 7th. But pre-order it. It's like only like 14 bucks on Amazon. They have it on sale in Barnes & Noble. So get it now. But it's a fun book. You'll like it. Everybody, pre-order now. Get the book. Get it. If you're trying to work on this and work on this, step by step right there. And you heard him. He said he released two books a year. I mean, come on, guys. This is a nice collection to put on your bookshelf. And not <laughs> just to collect dust. You pick it up and read it. 
And a lot of people are doing that down there. And as you can tell, a lot of people have shifted over with their weight. I know you've seen some people that's in, that has improved in their health situation since they read your book. Now, speaking of health situation out there, like you just said, the coronavirus is going around. Now, do you feel like it's, and it's spreading like wildfire, do you feel like it's the best time to start eating healthy now during this coronavirus? Because people are talking about their immune system is affecting people like that. What is your input on this with the coronavirus and what you should eat right now? Well, first of all, the coronavirus is serious, and it's going to get more serious, unfortunately, before it gets better. That's the truth of the matter. We're now just starting to test people. So in the U.S. right now, 5,800 cases have been positive uh, with 107 deaths. Those numbers are going to rise dramatically over the next week because now finally a leadership has, or leadership in quotes has gotten their act together uh, and they're making tests available. This is really a whole nother conversation about what a disaster this has been about our preparedness. But now tests are more available. There are tens of thousands of people who are probably walking around who actually have the virus and don't even know they have the virus because the vast majority of people are not gonna die from the virus. So we don't want people to be um, mistaking that it's okay, they're okay because they're not gonna die from it. No, there's still some serious consequences. I mean, we're now seeing studies that people are actually experiencing. Those who do recover well, they're still having lung disease. They're having lung scarring that may last for the, a lifetime. So this is something to take very serious. Hunkering down and being careful of being six feet away from people, all these measures, not you know, gathering in large gatherings, more than 10 people, and uh, whether it's the gym or movie theaters or casinos, all these places that are shut down, it's important. I know it's gonna hurt people temporarily, I get that, but we're all gonna hurt collectively. But in order for us to get beyond this, in order for us to make this work, we have to all be on the, this is not a time for divisiveness. As a country, we have to do it together. So we all have to look out for each other. You know, my sickness in this case can affect your sickness, can affect your mother's sickness and your uncle's sickness, even states away from me because these viruses travel people to people, person to person. So I just want to encourage people, be serious about it, but there are things you can do. Exercise is good at home. It really helps to boost your immune system. Uh, fruits and vegetables are full of antioxidants. The more color, the better. But things like broccoli, yogurt, uh, probiotics, uh, these things are, are very important to help boost your immune system. Uh, citrus fruits are good for your immune system, so people should do that. Wow. Now, what is your personal opinion? I know um, people have been talking about there may be a U.S. quarantine that may end up happening in the future. What, what is your input on that? Do you feel like that could actually happen? Well, you know, it's hard to predict. It, it's been so messy from the beginning, uh, and it's been so all over the place from the government standpoint. It's hard to figure out what they're actually going to do because they send conflicting messages within one message. You know, yes. one press conference, they, they contradict themselves. Uh, one speaker gets up, says something different than the other speaker. I mean, it's just been a, it's been a carnival. But that being said, I think that if everyone really pays attention and if everyone really follows the steps of social distancing, making sure that you are not near people a lot, uh, washing your hands a lot, washing public surfaces, avoiding certain places. I think we can get over this pretty well uh, in the next few weeks. By over it, I mean not that there won't be any new cases, but that we'll see the number of new cases declining once we get to the peak. That decline will happen quicker if we're doing it all at once. But if some people are on one program where they're like, oh, I don't care. It's not going to affect me. I'll be fine. If they're doing their thing, and everyone else is doing what they're supposed to do, well, that's not gonna be helpful because once the people come out of their sheltering down or hunker down state 
and start interacting with those who never did it, then the virus just transmits again. So we just have to all be careful and be honest. You were so right about that. Now, Dr. Smith, um, what is the best way? I know you said it earlier, but what is the best way for everybody to follow you on social media? Yeah, well, on social media, my Twitter is Dr. Ian Smith. That's D-R-I-A-N Smith. On uh, Instagram, spell the doctor out. So it's doctor spelled out, I-A-N Smith. And my website is DrIanSmith.com. Spell the doctor out again also. Everybody, please make sure you do follow these rules that Dr. Smith said, because Dr. Ian is telling you guys, do the six-foot distance. Uh, don't try to break these rules saying it's not going to work on me. It's not going to affect me because you do not know who have what. There's some people that's walking around that's not even showing the symptoms. And you don't know who is right beside you that could cough or sneeze or touch you. And guess what? You're wondering, oh, is it the flu? Stop trying to compare everything to the flu, people. You do not know what this is going to do. They're still in testing periods right now. So don't go by what you're hearing on the streets. Just, and yes, things are contradicting in these things yet. This is time to be prayerful and use your brain on what we need to do for this situation. Now, Dr. Smith, I know you don't have much time, but what advice would you give any male or female that wants to um, go into the medical field or that wants to go into like the television industry and follow your steps? I think that people have to understand that life is all about passion and about dreams. And whether you want to go into TV or medicine or politics, uh, law, it doesn't matter. You have to have the determination within you that you are going to do it. And you have to expect that there are going to be obstacles. That's just part of life. Life is about challenges. But some of the most beautiful moments are when you are challenged and you overcome that challenge because now you understand you have the internal and the intestinal fortitude to make it happen. So I want to encourage people to really take some time to be reflective, really understand who you are and what you are and what you want to be. And then don't be scared. I mean, you know, fear is one of those things that can really, really, really squash dreams. It can squash your motivation. Um, be, don't be fearful, but be aware. You know, that's the, there's a difference. And um, I just think that people really should understand kind of what the long-term play is. And the long-term play is that this is your life, you got one life, and you got to live it the best you can. And then we all transition, by the way. So we're here for just a certain period of time. No matter how rich, how powerful, we all leave. That's equal. And so while you're here, make the most of it. And make the world a better place. I know it sounds cliche. Make the world a better place so that we leave this place in a better condition than we got it. So the next generation behind us, that they have their opportunity to live the best yes. that they can. Yes. Now, for our last segment, Dr. Ian, this right here is called Take the Floor. Now, I will give you up to two minutes to say whatever's on your mind. I don't care if it's thanking your supporters, your fans, or whoever, whatever's on your mind. Dr. Ian, take the floor. I think that we as a country have got to come together, and I think that we have to wake up. Uh, we have to stop the divisiveness in this country. This country is in a really bad shape. Outside of coronavirus, politically speaking, this country is too politically charged. We have to come together. We have to be reasonable. You have to be smart. Read for yourself. Think for yourself. Don't just turn on the TV and turn on social media and believe everything you hear and everything you see. Think for yourself. That's so important. We have to continue to realize that we are all citizens of the world, that as powerful and as rich as the U.S. is, there are other countries and other cultures and other people who are warmed by the same sun, who are lit by the same moon, they own the world also. We don't own the world. We need to be better global citizens. If you are more respectful of other people, other cultures, 
then that makes you a better citizen and that makes life better for all of us. So I just want people to realize that while life is short and life is transient, you can do so much to make it better for everybody else. It's not always about the money. It's not always about the accolades and the awards. It's about how you feel inside. Be grateful, be prayerful, and always think that there's a way to be better. Because when you stop working on yourself and stop believing that you can be better, then the game is almost over. Wow. Powerful words. Powerful words. Dr. Smith, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. I would love to have you back on in the future. I would love to. Thanks, man. It's been great. Yes, sir. Everybody, make sure you do stay tuned for the next episode of The Bit Scoop with Coop. Make sure you do go get the books. Pre-order the book in April. Amazon, go get it. Go get the rest of the books. Follow him on Instagram. You see it right there, Mind Over Weight. Make sure you go get it. Pre-order now. Not right now because you're still watching this show. When the show ends, go to Amazon. Pre-order the book. You know what to do, people. All right, guys. On the next time on The Bit Scoop. (laughs) 